I am the master, and you will obey me. Listen to Dan Hadley on Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, or face the consequences. It's time for Type 40 Doctor Who content from us at the Spacebook and the Fandom Podcast Network to you with me, Dan Hadley, Birmingham's King of the Geeks, and our friends and companions, including your good self. We're the same easygoing, uh, though very free-speaking show for everybody, whichever decade you started watching, reading, or listening along to the timeless adventures of our hero, Doctor Who. We talk about it all on this show. All opinions are encouraged. And we've even been known to have a laugh or two along the way. So, yeah, come and step into our TARDIS. Follow-up to our conversation where we talked about Rose, the episode that brought Doctor Who back to the great British viewing public and uh, took it back to the world stage too in time, didn't it? It was a slow burn, I think, for the rest of the world, but uh, you were back up to speed pretty quickly, weren't you? Who have we got this time and what's going on? Yes, this is, this is our new set of shows, our kind of open review book club style show strand so it's stories that you may not have experienced for a while you know you may know them inside out wherever you sit with them could have been months it could have been years we're going to pick our way through that in a very relaxed way really as much a social thing as anything else and uh, yeah well, i think it's only fair at this point to bring in somebody who's been along on this journey with me for uh, quite a long time and couldn't make the last one starry eyed girl sarah graham <laughs> hi dan we couldn't make rose and you weren't very happy about that i know but here you are yes. for the, I'm the here. sequel i'm here for the sequel yes and i'm i'm really looking forward to it i've rewatched this just today just so it's all fresh in my memory uh, yeah just looking forward to having a chat and reliving some memories i mean for me this is this is you know nostalgia um yeah this takes me back to my happy place so um yeah look i'm looking forward to having some fun i'm looking forward to some uh potential sparring with a certain that could well happen that could well happen because yeah we've got another couple of people to bring onto the panel just stick with us and uh, yeah we're going to bring in our other 
combatants now. <laughs> it's I don't know what how you'd introduce him, really. I, I call him a uh, pop culture pundit, but he's also a very seasoned screenwriter and director in his own right. Ian David Dean. Yeah. I just back. call him Trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Ian. Ian, I think she's spoiling for a rumble this one. No, yeah, you've got to be honest when you look, look. If you love something, you've got to want the best for it, you know. And, all, and as I said, this is the best thing about fandom, is that we can disagree, have these little yeah. tussles. But you know, yeah. we're all fans of Doctor Who, right? We're all yeah. fans of Doctor Who. So that's yeah. what's great about it. Yeah. There's no holes barred, but it's it's all friendly banter. And uh, yeah. just in case things do get a bit leery between us, we have a uh, an official presence. Uh, deployed to us, it has to be said, you know, they were sick of all that, our nonsense. So the Department of Wendology have... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they've, they've gifted us an official from their department to keep us all in line. That's the general gist of it. And to keep uh, keep us slightly more above board than usual. So yes, let's bring her in now. It's uh, a good friend, Wendy. Hi, Wen. Hello, yes, Dan. Hello, Hello welcome back, Wendy. Hi, good Wen. to hear you again. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. Yes, I, it looks like I'm going to have to have my referee hat on today. I can tell already. I have to admit, I. When I was watching this episode back earlier today, I was watching it with with two points of view in mind. I was watching it through my from my point of view, and I was watching it through the point of view of what I was going to expect that Ian was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that is now becoming very sort of the, the, the usual. You know, I'm thinking I'm watching. No, Ian wouldn't like that. <laughs> but maybe you'll surprise me today. We'll see. Ian, your reputation is starting to come before you, my friend. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the general gist of it with these shows is that, yes, these are Doctor Who classics, whether they're from the new series or from the classic era. All these mm -hmm. Doctor Who stories, once they get past a certain time, they're considered classics, and mm -hmm. none of anything that we're going to say on this show is the mm -hmm. first word on any of this. Far, far mm -hmm. from it. We're well aware of that. And this isn't mm -hmm. intended as the definitive or last word on it either this is just this the latest one. word and our latest feelings as we have reconnected with these mm -hmm. with these stories to get together and to share however many years later it's all a bit of fun and all very casual mm -hmm. and yes yeah, so last time when we left the doctor and rose in the mm -hmm. opening episode i mean th this was what brought you in i mean to bring you up to speed sarah mm -hmm. this is what brought you into doctor who wasn't it yes. this this era this potent combination of characters so i think we said last time so so beautifully cast they've become as iconic as any doctor who pairing that i can think of before yeah, or absolutely. after the doctor and rose so yeah just for the people who don't know you so well where were you coming from at this point you'd heard you were aware of doctor who but you weren't a fan were you and then this show arrived on saturday night yeah this show arrived and i'd seen all the fuss about it you know it was everywhere there were interviews on breakfast news and the big billboard posters and the adverts and i just loved the adverts you know this trip of the lifetime and then rose's advert we you know where she said she'd got an ordinary life and she was gonna leave it all away uh, to go on these adventures and just the chemistry of these two and you know that that you know that end bit where she's not sure what she could tell she really wanted to go but she didn't want to leave mickey behind and then when he said you know oh by the way it also travels in time and she just runs into them doors and it just yeah as far as i'm concerned i was hooked and i, I watched it that saturday night i watched um the repeat 
Wow. On the Saturday, um, I watched Doctor Who Confidential because that had also just launched on BBC Three, and and I think that's when I realised, you know, actually this this is a big deal. You know, people have been clamouring for this to return, and you know, it, it documented the journey to get it back onto our screens. And yeah, I was just hooked straight away, and I just couldn't wait to see what happened next. I mean, the way I look at it, Sarah, you mm. were, I mean, we talk a lot about, a lot, don't we, Ian mm. in particular, you know, we've talked about this a lot, about the target audience for Doctor Who and, and that it's, it's a show for, for everybody. And whilst, mm -hmm. you know, you weren't at primary school any, anymore, Sarah, you were around the same age as Rose, weren't you? So yeah. you could clearly relate to her. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we've all been there, you know, with the dead-in job, not showing, not sure where we want to be in life, looking for that escapism. And, yeah, and RTD did a fantastic job of tapping into that and having that mixture between the ordinary and the extraordinary. Um, and, yeah, it was just, it was everywhere. It, it was, it wasn't quite, you know, like the water fountain Sure, I mean, I would have said that's you know when Tennant yeah, took it over, but it was getting it certainly, certainly in this country, it was getting them. I mean, by the end, by the end of that first series, it was oh, what's going to happen next? I, uh, you yeah, know. I'd, I'd say, I'd say so. Maybe mm. even earlier than that. Mm. But uh, just to bring our recap up to date, while we talk about the real world, just mm. one week into this into this mm. rebirth, Doctor Who had got the whole nation talking. Sort of mm -hmm. on those two fronts, I'm not sure whether one angle was kind of drowning out the other, or maybe they were sort of both combining to work in the show's favour. I'm not sure. Was it that sort of huge ratings figure for that first week and the buzz around episode one, around Russell T Davies Rose, or mm -hmm. the bombshell news story that Chris Eccleston was leaving at the conclusion of the series, just just the uh, the 12 weeks later? Mm -hmm. So I think whereas some shows would have perhaps sank amidst all that potential negativity. Doctor Who, under Russell T Davies, it insisted somehow <laughs> that the audience have a good time anyway and, and, and that we power through with this 21st century version of Doctor Who, that it, that it would pull us through. Mm -hmm. Ian, how, did, how do you remember this time and, and it taking flight like that? It felt like lightning in a bottle somehow and that everything was right, even though it could be perceived that things were going wrong really early. You know how I felt about the first episode. Personally, uh, when I read the stuff that Chris was leaving, I think it was the very next day, wasn't it? After the first episode of two Air. Days, two days, yeah. Yeah, was it two days? I, I, it didn't really bother me because I was I was like this with Doctor Who. I didn't know whether I was going to carry on watching it or not. Yeah. But um, after watching it, after watching the episodes and stuff, especially Dalek and and um, and the few episodes, I decided to stick with it. It never really bothered me that he was leaving at all. At all. It, so I don't think it did people generally. I think for those 45 mm. minutes, well, 44 minutes, Wendy, it was so seductive and and uh, so potent, and everybody looked like they were having a bloody good time. And and this episode was not the first episode wasn't fun, but it was so heady that it was back. With this episode, yeah. it's it's like okay, the stabilizers are off. Go 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 go, mm -hmm. wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. This I, I remember um, watching the very first episode and just being. And, and I'd been waiting for Doctor Who to come back, you know, for years and and just being so pleased and happy with everything. And then 
jumping into this second episode was like it was like it was literally like sitting at the top of a huge slide and sliding down into an absolute funhouse of of just so many so much uh, madness and campiness and craziness and I, and I I have I have a very special uh, Dan and I both have a very special connection to this this era uh, and this season particularly um, and there's a scene at at the end of the episode where there Rose says I smell chips and and when Dan and I met many of the things that we did in the beginning when I first came over was he would take me to the different filming locations down in Cardiff, you know, in places that Mm -hmm. they film things. And he took me down to Queen Street to the very spot where Rose and the doctor were standing talking about chips, having just finished this incredible adventure that they'd been on. And, um, and that was just, it's one of the, the things about these early episodes that are very, very special to us. So that, that one in particular, um, is is quite special to us. We'll definitely be hitting those beats as we go mm-hmm. along. So just in case you're wondering, what on earth are they talking about? Yeah, this is uh, The End of the World by Russell T. Davies. First broadcast on the 2nd of April 2005 on BBC One. And uh, the general storyline went something like this. The Doctor takes his new companion, Rose Tyler, to the year <laughs> 5 billion to see the sun expand and destroy the Earth. The observation space deck platform one is holding an event with the richest beings of that entire era observing the Earth's literal destruction. But uh, mysterious metal spiders that have been gifted by the adherence of the repeated meme to the other guests are secretly infiltrating and sabotaging the station, everybody. Sounds very uh, Agatha Christie, doesn't it? One of many influences, I think, that this episode wears very much on its sleeve. I found this tremendous fun at the time. I'd say, I don't want to use words like a relief, because the the previous week, you know, it was far from an ordeal, and I'd come away feeling generally quite positive. But this is Doctor Who at its most fundamental. TARDIS lands, the the Doctor and a companion walk out, and adventure, adventure begins, Ian. Yeah, in shoes. Yeah, yeah. And we've got, I suppose you could say, it is... uh, Lots of corridors that, we, that people get to run down. <laughs> where where did they shoot that, Dan? They, they must have shot it somewhere, right? Because that's not a BBC set. It's at a building in Wales. I believe it's a public building, like a uh, like a council office or oh, right. a, okay. a public yeah. amenity, like a conference hall or some or a conference suite. Because they do right. return to that location several times over mm-hmm. the years. In fact, yeah. they go back to it one too many times because it's got such a distinctive flooring, hasn't it? And, yeah. the, and the cladding of the walls, you start to recognise it everywhere. Yeah. They did it in Sarah Jane too. Yes, so they did. Uh, <laughs> I, do, I do wish they'd have resisted doing that because it's sort of it's unlike any building i'd seen at the time and mm. i actually did think it was a set to be to be mm. truthful because it was so and apparently they did do extra work to ironically to, to get this real world location and to make it more like the set of a of a sci-fi show with mm. false walls and things like that yeah i'm not so i'm never quite sure which is the real building and which isn't when the episode when the episode kicks off of course, it stars Christopher Eccleston and Billy Piper as the Doctor and Rose, respectively, with a a pretty big uh, guest cast. Starts to expand. We've got Simon Day was the steward, and Yasmin Bannerman was Jabe. They're just two of a selection of, of various 
impressive alien beings that we get to meet in this story. The mm -hmm. conceit was, from Russell T. Davis, from the showrunner, that was, was to get out there and to do something pretty elaborate fairly early yeah. on to say, in no uncertain terms, Doctor Who is back and we're not going to play safe. We're not going to be telling stories about just everyday people. We're going to give you monsters. We're going to give you excessive vistas. We're going to take you to alien worlds. We're going to take you on that trip of a lifetime. And it, and it really did It really cost them, Ian. So when you mm. were talking last time, when we looked at Rose, that it, it still all looked a little bit cheap to you compared to the TV movie? <laughs> does, this, yeah. does this take it up a couple of notches for you? Um, I, I, it takes it up a bit, but um, there are a couple of things that really... <laughs> embrace yourself, girls. Um, there's, yeah, <laughs> there's a couple of things that really pissed me off. Like, um, okay. I love I love the way it, it starts from where it ends in the first episode yes. to she runs in straight in and it just picks up from there. I love that. Yeah. The thing I hated was that console. Oh, my God. What were they thinking? Pumping oh, something console. like a fucking eye. Jesus oh, Christ. Yeah. Turning those. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> And I, I, bell. I like that. I really whoa, whoa, like whoa. That. Listen to me, guys. When Peter Davison was the doctor, we never had pumping things and ringing bells. And it's <laughs> like they just went to the skip and they made this console. My God, what is wrong with these people? Anyway, I shall rest we, right there. As it unfolds. It makes sense have... because he's obviously Sorry. he's been on his own a long time. You know, he's the last. What's that got to do with technology going forward? You, you can't he's... have a console with switches and then suddenly have a bell. If Gallifrey's <laughs> destroyed, he's basically he's just repairing it with whatever's around and keep it. No, no, no. We know that, that. Well, we know that Artis has different console rooms. Okay, it was discovered yeah. when we had Tom, Tom um, Baker when he went into the yeah. the, the wooden so room. This is the next so one, we know it's another yeah. one. Yeah. But come on, the console. I didn't. <laughs> oh, you didn't. Sorry. Well, I think it's only. I think it's only fair to say here that yeah. although we hadn't had any pumping before, I have to admit. I have to admit. I'm going to side with Ian here. Sorry. On the only on the pumping thing. <laughs> that was like okay. They got away with it. They kind of got away with it, but that could have backfired spectacularly. So bad. <laughs> you heard it here first, so everybody. The, the rest I did The Department of Wendology, they object to pumping. Pumping's not like... <laughs> but, but, the way, but the way I look at it, we not had pumping before, no, but we had had thumping. You talk about the Peter Davison era. Yeah. He used to whack the top of the console all the yeah, time. Yeah, but that's different, oh. Dan, isn't it? <laughs> you've, got a, you've got a wheel that goes like this. What the hell's that all about? Do you know what I mean? What is that? It yeah, but I, to me, it felt it felt more real, you know. Stupid is the word. Because you kind of got that industrial feel yes, to it, rather than yes, just Sarah, like a, a, yes. like a digital switch or. It's something. a stylist. This is a stylistic choice. They chose to take the TARDIS down this road. Yeah. And in all fairness, you know, I'm gonna, I'm somewhere in the middle here. Mm -hmm. When they held back of any pictures of the TARDIS till pretty late in this in the mm -hmm. show starting, I think it was the initial trailer with with Rose. That was the very mm -hmm. first time that I saw it, mm -hmm. and yeah. I was a little crushed because to me the TARDIS should have always been brilliant white. 
and and whatever else was wrong with it and was decorating it that was how you added character with mm -hmm. this they chose to to go down a totally different road and have the entire environment much more full of character and to feel mm -hmm. and it was a de definite decision to have that it, it had sort of gradually broken down and that the doctor because he was obviously, as we know later on, he'd been fighting the time war or involved in the time war or mopping up after the time war. Mm -hmm. He'd sort of replaced bits that had fallen off or broken mm -hmm. with whatever he could find out there in the universe rather than being able to go back to the repair shop. Or, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's something that is in the, the books and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I, I know what you mean. If it doesn't seem like, it, it does seem like a step backwards in some respects. But I think I it mean, was I get, yeah, I, I do get where you're coming from. But obviously, I'd not seen a TARDIS interior before. So I'm coming to this completely. It's a, it's a, it's a really, it's a stupid excuse. I mean, it's such a stupid idea. It's to a have choice. The, the, it's a the choice. It's a choice. Well, it was the, it was the wrong <laughs> choice unfortunately for me because yeah. i mean come on you, you technology doesn't go backwards it goes forwards for god's sakes it you, look everybody knows that bbc is cheap yeah. when they say the console, we could will go to the skip <laughs> we will find some little buttons oh there's an egg carton we'll stick that on there too do you know what yeah. i mean it's, it's ridiculous i'm, gonna, I'm ridiculous. gonna throw my hat in the ring now and yeah. stir things up a bit more um i really like this console i like the fact that it had a kind of a steampunky kind of a vibe to mm -hmm. it i get what ian is saying i get what you're saying about the fact that it, it didn't make sense in as much as the technology that the doctor would have had would have been beyond imagination so much bigger than that but mm -hmm. it it does let your imagination wander to think that well maybe he just likes it maybe he just likes that sort of tinkering look and that uh, that sort of um it almost reminds me of a bit of a Jules Verne type environment, where, especially Not quite though, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, uh, because the what's his, uh, the movie had the Jules Verne look, didn't it? Um, mm, Paul it did. McGann That's movie. That's true. That's and this true, one, yeah. this one didn't. This one looks like, as I said last week, it's very much BBC. It's very much. How much can we save here? Let's just save some money here and go to the skip. Ian, <laughs> but, yeah, but Ian, in the way that it's lit, yeah. and in the the way that I suppose you could say it chimes with the way that the Doctor's dressed, because they they say don't they he's dressed like a submarine captain. I think that gets yeah. mentioned later on with the, with the mm. big jacket and things. So the way that it's lit too, I think it yeah. does look like. I, I know what Wendy's saying there about Jules Verne. It does look like it's sort of. Um, it's a little steampunk kind of and i, I love to like the coral look and you know like the way like the structure the, the structure like twisted and it, you got the sense organic. like organic you know, it's, it's metal but it is organic and of course that that's foreshadowing for later on when we find out well the new viewers find out that tardises were grown not made so to me to me it made perfect sense but i didn't have everything you know that came before I do. I do understand why they didn't go for the white room because the mm -hmm. white room was, was was definitely made to reflect the light mm -hmm. for a TV studio, and that's why yeah, it's yeah. white, especially in black and white. When they well, it wasn't. I think it was white when it was black and white. And then when they came to video and they were doing the you know the the Pertweed era and the you know and the classic era, it was a TV studio and they were dealing with you know video cameras. It wasn't film cameras. So yeah, mm -hmm. it, the white was reflecting the light. You know, less light you use, less you pull in power, I guess, and the less money you spend. I don't know, right? But this, I don't mind the color scheme in this. 
But as I said, the console should never have been like that. It should at least look like something that was out of this world or, you know, or, or, or technology had gone beyond what we think, not just mm. a cup or a light that I see, <laughs> I see in a shop or something. You know, there's one light in there that I had when I, when I was a kid. <laughs> And they stuck it on the TARDIS. Well, I I'm think like, I what mentioned. Hell? Was that fiberoptic one, weren't it? Yes. I think yeah, I mentioned one. on a previous show the fact that that, that ball that he's, he's got. Yes. That yes. he turns yeah, in the console. A, I've got that from like, my yeah. paperweight. <laughs> An yeah. Another one of those BBC things, right? How do you feel? In, in this initial scene, though, I mean, we're looking at a picture of it now on screen. Yeah. Yeah. I do love the fact that the Doctor continues to show off and continues to yeah. seduce rose here with this like having somebody in his company to that's uh, not the impression i got the impression i get that he was he was just so happy to have a friend to, to travel yeah, with him that's sort of that's where i'm going with it yeah, yeah. that it, uh -huh. here is somebody to share this with i yeah. can blow blow her mind with this yeah. and mm. uh, i mean that initial shot where they they're on the on the deck of uh, of platform one, and obviously she can't have any concept of of where she yeah. is or what's going on outside, and that window sort of opens mm. up. We get that initial effect shot. It felt like a scene and a, a standard of visual effects that mm. we had never seen in Doctor Who. Oh yes. What really struck me watching it today was yeah. how optimistic the Doctor is, and it, and. It, it really brought it home to me just how yeah. far we've got. I, d I don't want to, you know, touch on too much about the current era because it's depressing, but just the, you know, the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, after episodes like Orphan 55 and Praxis with the, we're all dying, it's the end of the world. And he's saying mm -hmm. here, you will all, all you ever think about is you're going to die. You mm. never stop to imagine the impossible yeah. that you survive. And it was just like, wow. You couldn't have got any further away. Mm. You're yeah. going to be killed by global warming or or mm. beef, and he lists yeah. off a number of things that mm. were in the paper mm. at the time. Some of them are still in the new, in the news now, mm -hmm. but mm. yeah, it, they're Russell they're, they're Russell T Davies' words. That's his voice, mm. loud and clear. That's his worldview. That's his perception of of people uh, and how we all should sort of be with with one another mm. and how to live how to live our lives and get the most out of our lives and i think that's something that runs through not just all of his doctor who work but all of his work yeah yeah, yeah i agree completely with story on that i think watching this episode it was i i just couldn't believe how uplifted i felt yeah. when i was watching it and it and it's it is a really glaring thing you know when you i, I mean how many years it's been since i've actually watched it back and i was right there again and i and the, the the writing and the interplay between Chris and Billy and the, the music, that wonderful um, deep music that comes in, the different themes that sort of bleed mm -hmm. through in different scenes. You're just there. You're just transported right back there. And, and it, it just, I had a huge smile on my face. This is the it. episode, I feel, Wendy, where Murray Gold really starts to to stamp yes. his identity on the yes. show too again not that it was not that it was bad in rose but i th i think that again it's terrible it was, in rose. Of, it was kind of standard tv music almost here we yeah. get something which i feel really <laughs> really plays a big part in casting the spell it's yeah. british tv music that's what it was and that's why it didn't work <laughs> 
Especially yeah, in this one. But it there was scenes... in, in No, well, one, well, I mean, they didn't have the technology at the time, but the uh, the Americans did. So if you watch something like Buffy or, you know, like, that famous scene when Buffy's mother died and there was hardly any music there and stuff like that. And there was also other emotional scenes in other American shows like Quantum Leap and stuff. And music is, is the right tone. In this, it kind of, it tries it tries but again it's the budget that lets it down if murray gold had more money mm. we may be able to hire people who actually played real instruments but i get the feeling that he wasn't given enough money therefore he had to rely on his casio wherever it was at that time you know to, to make <laughs> trumpet sounds and, did we watch you know? the same episode <laughs> <laughs> i did warn you sarah just being honest <laughs> no, but this is the episode where we get them first beats of what's rose's theme yeah yeah. It's a very, yeah, but... it's a very special piece of music, and I think it was used just right. You, you know, you get to, you yeah, get but if to you just a little hint, yeah, yeah. But if you if you if you go further in history and you listen to the the, the way Murray Gold does the music for um, the Matt uh, the Matt Smith era and the David Tennant, Tennant era, and you go to the proms and you hear that orchestra beat out the Doctor Who, yeah. that's that's what how it should have sounded. But yeah. obviously, this is a TV yeah. episode, and and the, the technology wasn't ready uh, to to imitate. Well, it, it wasn't. Orchestra. It wasn't even. I mean, we know we're, we're sort of drifting away really from what's from what's mm. on screen in this particular episode here with this. Yeah. But the prob the thing was that when when series one was made. You know, they weren't mm. sure that they'd got a hit on their hands. They they allocated yeah, it a budget. Yeah. They allocated it resources, which it had to justify. And it was only when they knew that they got a certified hit on their hands, and more to the point, something yes. that had that international mm. reach, that they increased the resources to so that there, there would be orchestral scores. There would be this episode in particular. We looked a, a little at it earlier on. This episode mm. had more special effects in it than any other episode of the show. Mm in the entirety of, of series one in fact they were still i can't remember the exact dates or times but they were still working on the special effects for this episode up until about 48 hours before it was on screen oh, gosh, yeah. even though it had been filmed yeah. really early on in the in the entire production process so we're talking yeah. nine or ten months because yeah. of the resources i mean the people at the mill at the time the special effects house that were working on the show at the time were working on a global scale but this was a really, really ambitious episode, and there's entire characters that are, are completely CGI. Uh, and Russell T. Davis was very uh, insistent on that. that the spiders, that those yeah, don't get yeah. compromised. But they, they did eventually sort of have to comp compromise on the runtime. I think Cassandra's only actually on screen for about five or six minutes. There were several scenes that that they intended to have with Cassandra that they didn't film in the end simply because they couldn't afford to and this in mm. fact with the seat with Ruffalo the the uh, the plumber that Rose befriends early in the episode yeah. that entire scene that entire sequence was constructed quite late in the day when mm. Russell had to cut other scenes with Cassandra because they couldn't afford to uh, to do the effects work so you know they mm. were all the way through this production they were sort of spinning plates and fighting small fires and things like mm. that I, I think it, it worked out for them after I, I think if we'd have had too much Cassandra I think it would have yeah. It would have changed the dynamic. And that, I think... It's funny because... Usually, Cassandra's the worst thing in the this. Worst. I mean, <laughs> her voice is fantastic. She's always... Because you can tell with the seat, because all the other aliens, it's physical effects, it's prosthetics yeah. and makeup and mass, what have you. And you can, especially now, obviously, 
it has dated somewhat. Mm. Uh, but it, it's always, you know, vocal performance that, you know, keeps you keeps you in the moment though. it does work though it does i mean mm. the visual effects is good for the for the time and also it's really funny how, how technology has, has has gone so far now mm. you know a 17 year old kid could do these effects on his on his yeah. on his pc mm. and 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 that's what i mean about the tardis i mean come on <laughs> you know today <laughs> yeah, yesterday classic <laughs> pumping up to make that <laughs> TARDIS guy. what's that all about <laughs> you know? as classical fans what did you think you know when you know when all the guests start arriving and you see them all. Mm. Did that like did that fill you with confidence? Because obviously, like by you yes. know the mid mid to late eighties, the aliens were looking really bad because of yes. Not only it, it, it's initi- it really really impressed me from the get go. I mean, particularly the yeah. mox of Balhoon is an, an iconic character got in, in himself, but it, <laughs> but it wasn't just it wasn't just the incredible prosthetics on characters yeah. like the Mox mm. of Balhoon and the face of Bo, mm. but it was also the intricacy and the beauty of the costumes and yeah. the fact yes. that they'd cast actors who filled them so beautifully too. They mm-hmm. didn't look remotely self-conscious about the work that they were doing. They believed mm. in that character. They inhabited that character just the same as they would have done if they were playing, I don't know, Tracy the bus driver from, from Newport Pagnell mm. or, or Phil the postman from Ipswich. You know, it was... It, they believed who they were and yes. everything felt like it belonged everything mm-hmm. felt like it belonged which was something that that classic doctor who had always striven to do but didn't always succeed who's the guy who's the guy in the seat sorry dan who's the guy in the seat that the alien in the seat the steward the one you just showed just now the, the one you just guy. no That's... the little guy the little guy with the, the, with the titties. oh the mox about who he reminds me of that other character in doctor who, and i can't remember his name the little green guy they made they actually made a video of him Who's oh, the, the little grass. green guy? What's his name? The Grask. He has no legs. He has like this. Yeah. Oh, oh so you mean Sil? You mean Sil? Oh, Sim. Yeah. That's him. Oh. He reminds me of him, doesn't he? He reminds me of him a bit. Wasn't the Moxabal like a, a space solicitor? He probably represented Sil. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. What um, I what I liked about the yeah. fact that they were prosthetics versus all special effects. Mm. is that it did make you it did sort of connect you with classic who in that way because even though they had you know in comparison to classic who so much more budget than they would ever have dreamt of it still had that that sort of grassroots feel it had that doctor who feel Mm. where you've got the prosthetics and it's the believability and it's the the skill of the actors and the actors believing in those characters and, and making those characters come to life. And and that's how I I felt about it. They didn't put me off one job. And they yeah, made a nice, big impact. Nice. Some of them were only in it for a couple of scenes at the most. Like Ruffalo mm. was just in that one mm. scene. The Mox wasn't in it for a great deal longer. And we remember the names of these characters all this time on. I'm also drawn to talking as well about Christopher Eccleston. Last time we talked about how, and he's spoken about him about himself, how he struggled with some of the comedy, some of the broader strokes mm. of his performance. I think we're already seeing that refined in episode two, Ian. Yeah. The, the scenes yeah. where the scene where they do meet the aliens, where he meets the mocks of Balhoon, and he spits in Rose's face, and the Doctor thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> and, and when he gifts uh, Jabe uh, the air from his lungs, all those things, he really mm. turns on the charm, and it's not it's not over the top either it's com- it's completely uh it's completely uh, the doctor 
on on all levels it doesn't feel like yeah. he's trying to that he's trying to uh, bolt on other things to the doctor's character he's like he's re reaching that bit deeper into the character yeah it, it, his performance is better in this one and um i don't know it why because yeah. i don't know the history of it but um the one thing i didn't like about the doctor in this one is how he berated um the the human race especially rose rose's um emotions towards what she was seeing he didn't get it and i think the reason why he didn't get it he might be because of what he had had experience with losing his race completely losing his race so he's kind of he's kind of slightly divorced of, of of because if you go back to classic you've got pertweed and and baker and stuff like that and they care about zara jane they care about the human race but this one this doctor seems like he's just had enough and, it, and if it wasn't for rose bringing him back into that fold yeah he probably would have just carried on thinking if all of us were apes as he said in the first episode yeah, he, comes, he does come across sorry uh dan go ahead no carry on well isn't that it, isn't that pathos isn't that building the character yeah. yes it is mm -hmm. yeah he comes across as quite angry um, and quite thuggish at, at yes, times. He does. And yep. Rose has the right level of of mm. strength of character to stand up to him in those moments mm. and and shake him out of that funk and make him realize that, you know, sort of she, allow him to see through her eyes all over again. And I think she is sort of his redemption. Yeah. And I think, I think also, I think um, Billy Piper's performance was so much better than Chris's in this one, especially when the aliens are coming through the door and just the look in her face, thinking, "Oh yeah. my God, you know, is this really happening?" And well, stuff like that. There's something else that's missing from the current era. Is that the time? Go there. Let's say focus. No, no, I don't just mean the current, current era. I mean, if you take like Clara. Yes. Clara never. She kind of just seemed to take it into a stride and was never. Mm. Yes, surprise right. anything. Yeah. and the way this is shot as well you can see it feels overwhelming to mm. us as a viewer with you, yeah. uh, the shots I think that's because of how Russell sees this mm. character as that that pure mm. point of entry mm. whereas yeah. Cla uh, Clara and Amy I think they were different creations they were mm. they were uh, almost like children I, I know they're grown women in this instance but mm. they, they are more like children from classical literature they're uh, very magical characters in their own right. I don't think there's anything remotely magical about Rose, and I think, and and mm. nor should they should they have been, mm. uh, because it wouldn't have. That's not how Russell viewed the show. Every uh, every actions are, are just so you know. You'd say you'd be like that guy's blue. It's what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Are my it, eyes working? I'm seeing a blue person. Everything about it. Seeing... I mean, look at look at Rose's body language. How her, her shoulders are hunched over when she's fed yeah. up. Uh, yeah. Billy, Pi Billy Piper and Chris Eccleston. Now, I've seen footage of them working on the show during mm -hmm. these early production blocks and seen them working together and breaking down the scenes together mm -hmm. uh, and Chris sort of uh, explaining to her how, how he's going to take it and to, and to give him pushback. You get two actors and that exchange of energy that, mm -hmm. uh, that our friend Barnaby Jago talks about a lot. You know, Barnaby's an actor and he's explained about the whole process and how you work with other people. I think you can, you can see mm -hmm. that in, in yeah. these characters yes. so, so beautifully. And it's, I think it's because it has that kind of... Uh, it's like use that scene. It's like, it's like the scene when they introduce... Um, who was the flat girl again? What was her name? The, Cassandra? Sorry. When they introduce um, Cassandra through the lift 
and yeah. uh, the doctor is laughing because this is ludicrous and yeah. rose is just but you know her eyes are open like you know what what am i looking yeah. at you and, know and because she that to, just she one has scene peer, yeah. she has to peer behind and see what's on the other side which yeah. is what we all yeah, do yeah. in that yeah. situation yeah. because yeah. that's so, part of the joy of it for the for the doctor and he's yeah. seen things yeah. like this and more outrageous things before but to her yeah. he knew that he knew that was going to blow her mind and he was relishing her reaction as much mm. as anything that he was mm. seeing himself really good um Sorry, go ahead, Wendy. Go ahead. Wendy. Sorry, I was just going to say right. I loved the the micro expression on Eccleston's face when Rose first starts. She just can't take the suspense anymore, and she starts to walk towards Cassandra to walk mm -hmm. around behind her. And you oh, can yeah. see there's a there's a a little micro expression of worry on his face, like uh oh, this this yeah. might yeah. end badly, mm -hmm. you know. And then of course, he's he you know he he's just thoroughly enjoying her re her reactions to things. Mm -hmm. But that little moment always sticks in my mind. And, I, and I, you know, I mean, I, and also another thing that I like about Rose as well is I think they put her in the right costume, even though it's not a costume, if you know what I mean. When I think of Rose, I always think of those clothes. Yeah, always think of those clothes related to her, no matter how many episodes she's been in, whether it be the Tenant era or it's always this when I think about Rose. So um, but anyway, that's just by the by. <laughs> but it's a good episode. Okay. You've always, you told me, Sarah, that mm. one of the things that you enjoyed about watching series one and Rose was the mm. fact that some of the things that she was wearing, you knew where she got them from. I, did, I had, yeah. She, um, she wore a lot of punky fish outfits and you can actually see, especially the the red, the red and black hoodie that she wears. You can actually see it says punky fish and there's a little metallic fish. And I, I had <laughs> clothes, like I had that brand. And again, it again, it was just so like on the pulse, you know. This is, you know, this could be you, and and that, I think that's what sold it for many people. Is Rose yeah. was the every woman. Mm. Yeah, it did for me. I can remember, you know, I just felt as as Ian I think was saying earlier as well. The the reactions were were very realistic, and mm. and I she was us she was our eyes you know and, and it was so easy to sort of inhabit her character and imagine thinking exactly the same thing like you were saying earlier story it's like you're blue you know he the doctor is is you know light years past her in 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 anything like that and being being awed by anything like that but she's she's us you know and and sort of picking up on all these brand new things that we've never seen before and, and it was scared. just so well done she's scared as well isn't she wendy yeah she's but she gets overwhelmed yeah as as we would you know and she has i think a very predictable and very uh good solid reaction that you could relate to and that was to just run out the room at one point because you could you could see she was looking at everything and all of a sudden you could feel everything in the room was sort of closing in on her mm -hmm. and it was the realization as she's talking to Rafalo in the other scene what have i done where am i you know what how did the i thing get is, though, it was yeah, a bit confusing she doesn't know this man <laughs> yeah it was a bit confusing because um I don't know how that edits together. First of all, the doctor was slightly worried about Rose when she was going around the back to see Cassandra and just really looking bug-eyed with everything around her. Yeah. Then the next next minute, he's laughing. 
So mm. I don't know. It's just uh, it was just a bit That's odd, a bit odd does, for me. Does, yeah. He, at this time, he's he's a very conflicted character. We see that. We see mm. that in the scenes with Jabe. I mean, for me, yeah. this episode is uh, the other half. I thought the first episode, Rose, was very much about Rose. Everything mm. it begins mm. and ends with her perspective. It's mm. about her stepping stepping out into this universe and gradually growing as a person this episode is very much about the doctor as good as billy piper is in this with the mm. things that she gets to do such as the scene with cassandra where she you know she she fights her corner with cassandra and, and tells her why she thinks she's wrong but mm. as much as that's going on a lot of the other things that we see rose get into it's pure sort of the perils of pauline it's uh, she gets into trouble so the doctor can get her out of it and that's okay mm. Because this is Doctor Who, and, and this is high adventure. Well, we do we do the find out about it. the Doctor's past in this one. Exactly, don't we? the bulk so. of it is yeah. about about the Doctor. It is about not mm. not so much who he is, but why he is. As much of what makes him tick as they can show us at this early junction, and they do that by the classic the classic Doctor Who trick of separating them fairly early on yes. and, uh, and taking them in different directions and so we get the doctor opposite uh, jabe as played by yasmin bannerman and we see immediately how in all his uh, interactions and his exploits with jabe he behaves completely differently with her and shows a different side of himself mm. than he does when he's with rose yeah, I have a little critique here as well with, with regard to that. And I, and I was saying it to Darren earlier. It, it does work with, with the wider storyline, but the fact, as you said just now, Dan, that he switches gears quite quickly with Jabe and becomes quite flirtatious and quite, quite sort of um, distracted by her um, and quite light and airy with her. And then, and I thought to myself, well, why would he suddenly just be so right in front of Rose, knowing that he's pulled her from her, her very mundane life into this brand new place? Why would he sort of swan off with this, you know, to Rose, you know, this alien and leave her there? But at the same time, my mind is going, well, he knows Rose can handle it and he wants, he's testing her in a way as well, isn't he? He's testing her yeah. to see how she handles things. I so, don't know. I don't, I, I don't agree. I think, that she's, I think he Sorry. believes that Rose is safe. No. Yeah, that too. But I also but I, think, I also think that you're judging humanity on the doctor and doctor doctors, obviously not human. So what we, what we, what we um, deem as important or, 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 or protect, he doesn't, do you know what I mean? And, yeah, and I true. think, and, and also remember, He's very. He's a very different doctor, uh, uh, according to Moff. Right? Stephen he Moffat. went from he went from Paul McGann to this <laughs> stupid. What is it? War doctor, and suddenly he's him. So mm. the thing is, though, they make it up as they go along. But mm. what um, Russell T was trying to say was that this man has been through a trauma. Yes. Right, and he's trying yes. to get back on his feet. But as an audience member, you didn't know any of that until this no. episode, they when he when it. he cries and you know what I mean. They drip, they like drip it out to you. It's it's survivors. Yeah. It's survivors' mm. guilt, post traumatic stress it, disorder. It's interesting how his attitude towards Jabe changes once she knows who mm. he is. Yes, exactly. Well, a bit. They connect. And she, mm. yeah, that, that's how they have that connection. Um, mm. Do you know, just, sorry, just, uh, I, I don't want to take over this. <laughs> I think the, the, the thing that really made me go like this, ah, 
was when they were walking in the corridor and they were trying to get to the air vent and you had that it's obvious why would a ship have wires like like <laughs> wires on the wall i'm like this is definitely someone's basement or maybe where they had some i'm like why couldn't have picked somewhere else you know they're, 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 it's, it's the same location as the um under the it must be. That hospital, yeah. weren't it? Yeah. That hospital. Uh... But also, also though, Ian, we have to <sighs> accept that they that this is as much about the telling of the tale and of of, for example, they knew that by showing us these wires and that low mm. ceiling that yeah. we would recognise just completely subliminally that they were underneath something within the inner workings mm. of. It's something. the wires, though, Dan. And although. <laughs> But although this is an inconceivable yeah. amount of time in yeah. our future, yeah. I think when you've got 44 minutes of screen time, I know. Then, then you have to use those kind of visual shorthands. Yeah, but you could have, they, could have been, they, they could have been in a lift or something, oh, they, you know, going down rather than go under this thing with, with, with the wires and you, and you know what year that's in. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's ridiculous. But anyway, whatever. I think we get some, some of that. I mean, the thing that I, that I enjoy so much about it, the thing that I yeah. enjoy so much about those scenes and, and that interplay it is the uh, I mean the dripping out really not just of Doctor yeah. Who lore which is mm. a tight literally drop by drop and that one single tear from from the Doctor it, well it, not yeah a, not we don't he doesn't say yeah. a single word no. we just That's see a good performance. one tear yeah. four it's a it beautiful two. moment and the and I think Jabe I think he he um relates to jabe respects jabe and the things that, that she says too like she they talk uh, later on in the episode they talk about the environment you know that environment the wires and the metal and she says mm. it's it's the sound of metal uh, it, none of it makes any sense to me but the mm. doctor can hear that there's something wrong i mean that they're just that contrast like, again just just lovely stuff from russell t davis performed yeah. so beautifully they build this relationship in a, in 30 seconds yeah Maybe yeah, sure. and then oh, they kill her. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That was. They were definitely trying to hit their kids, weren't they? With tainted love, and then the the Britney Spears uh, track, weren't they? And this one as well, weren't they? So they were trying to yeah, <laughs> trying to bring Cassandra, in the kiddies. It, it was great when Cassandra brings out the the sort of old jukebox. iPad. And calls it an I, iPod. It iPod. Yeah. yeah, I mean that. Yeah, it, that this is funny. that caused a stir at the time amongst mm. the. Uh, the learned Doctor Who fans out there you know who you were. When we hear a Toxic by Britney Spears, which had only been released the previous year. Yeah. So we, we hear that at one point. You know, we never heard contemporary music in Doctor mm-hmm. Who up to this point. So we get that and we get the classic uh, 1981 song, Tainted Love yeah. by Soft yeah. Cell. You know, that was allowed because that, that, you know, by that point it was established classic. But Britney Spears, I mean, the amount of people, I had several phone calls after this aired and most <laughs> of them went along the lines of, what the bleep was that? <laughs> you know, Britney Spears in Doctor Who. What the hell? Just, What's wrong with it? it? I thought it was wonderful. How did I? I didn't mind like it. How did I? Made it feel no. alive, and it made it feel yeah. it made it feel relevant and relatable. And you knew, just like the scene with the burping bin in episode one. You know, yeah, no, it's <laughs> completely so, different. I love the no, no, no. Listen, Let me finish. <laughs> just like that scene. It would involve the kids right yeah. away. I I know for a fact that kids watching that burping bin scene, that in that split second in between when Mickey disappears into the bin and the bin burps, the kids mm. watching that had already burped 
did the, they've done the mock birth <laughs> before the bin on screen does. And yes. with this, it's a, it's involving the kids in a really interactive way. And with this, you hear Toxic, I can guarantee that younger kids would run up and dance into that. I know this song, I recognize this, and yeah. that's why it's funny. And and that's kind of, it's very Douglas Adams in that respect. I think that mm. the uh, the restaurant mm. at the end of the universe is all over this. Yeah. So is the cantina scene from Star I, Wars. I think it's all when I When I first watched this on that, you know, that second Saturday night, I watched mm. that with the full extended family. It was like, right, Doctor Who's back, we're gonna watch it. And there was, my nan was there, my in-laws were there, my little nephews were there, and and everybody had got smiles on their faces. And I remember the look of delight on my like six-year-old nephews at the you know the <laughs> air at my lungs on the you know mocks of balloons spitting, and they, <laughs> you know they got it. And they, they really what you know you got like the kind of like sabotage going off for the adults. Yeah, you got the it's intrigue. You know, What's Action. coming off of the doctor? Romance. Even there, the the drip feeding of the mystery of, you know, who is the doctor? Uh, you know, cause, you know, nobody knew. I, Rose didn't know. I didn't know. No. You guys knew, but obviously, it, it was a different mystery for you because you're like, wow, why are they playing it like this? What on earth, you know, what is Russell's end game with this? I didn't mind it. I, I, I was I was invested in in seeing where Russell was going with the Doctor, and I and I did recognise the fact that the Doctor has to grow. Unlike some fans that are just stuck in classic and and will not hear anything. Oh, it has to be thirty minutes. As I said, fans can be attached to things that really doesn't matter. Every show, every character has to grow. If they don't grow, they're not. You're not making any progress. You know what it I mean? So and, and crucial for the show. Yeah, it is. Back yeah. For them to do a mild reset of this character. Mm -hmm. They didn't change who he who he That's actually right. fundamentally mm -hmm. is and how he responds, how he's stimulated by the world around him and the people that come into yeah. his life. But they just changed the, his position in it, in, in the mm. mythology around him. Uh, and and it was all completely true to the character as he was originally uh, defined. Okay, maybe this... maybe not by uh, by Hartnell because it was slightly mm. different, but certainly when you get to Troughton and onwards, mm. it's still mm. absolutely yeah. the same the same character. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. No. This this is what I was I loved about this is that I felt when I watched it like he's done it, he's done it. I'm a classic mm. Doctor Who fan, and I'm loving this, and and he's so beautifully brought all these elements together he's made it he's he's done us the great service of making this a program that's going to have staying power so we're going to have doctor who back yeah there's going to be some growth there's going to be some change um but he's he's left us feeling very jubilant and very much looking forward to what else is mm. coming but i felt really safe with russell by this point i just thought wow thank goodness <laughs> it was you know it, it's coming back the way it has because it's i just back. felt like it was well, gonna well be you know those to... phone calls i was telling you about earlier yeah. on Wendy. i, I fielded mm -hmm. several phone calls in fact it went on probably throughout the entirety of the russell t davis era i, I fielded phone calls after every single episode <laughs> but yeah very it was along the lines of I me mean, one of my friends phoned me up and said what the fuck was that Li literally just that and i said and I can remember exactly what I said to him because I was still smiling. The credits hadn't even ended by the time I got this phone call. I was smiling from ear to ear, Sarah, and I said, I've just watched 
the first full, proper, new Doctor Who story since 1989. You know, mm. and that's not, it's not to say I didn't like the TV movie, I did. And that's not to say I didn't like Rose, I did. But both of those episodes had some real heavy lifting to do. And mm. they had a task at hand. This was a pure adventure. And it, it just, I knew from this moment on, this was the episode. This was the episode that made me feel that all of my faith was being rewarded. This was incredibly exciting and potent. And this, this was Doctor Who, proper Doctor Who, because anybody can pull those things out of the bag for one night. You could argue that yeah, Dimensions mm -hmm. in Time and Curse of the Fatal Death did that, or be, be as their remits. But this, mm -hmm. was, this has a, was a brand new Doctor Who story. That, that felt like it mattered, that hit every single beat that I needed to hit. And when I also, re it now, when I rewatch it now, 16 years on in, I feel exactly the same about it. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, the, the, it also has depth in this episode, as I Huge said, you know, the, the idea that Rose gets very upset about the end of the world or the, the world being destroyed. Obviously, she's still connected to the world, obviously, because she belongs to the world and how the Doctor can't see that. The one scene that I didn't think worked at all and I thought the performances were very poor is the bit where the doctor comes in and says who are you doctor tell me about yourself whatever and he and he just gets up like a it, that scene didn't work for me because the, the mm. performances did and also the music just destroyed the tone of of what I they were trying to do there for all that i said about murray gold's music i think yeah. that they should have left the music out of that scene I that's well yeah, that's one way of doing it of course yeah but but you know it just it just annoyed me that uh I don't know whether they had enough time to make that those scenes work, or whether but Chris was. You're was, talking was, about the designated mm. driver scene, aren't you? Yes. On, where, you know, who are you? You know. Yeah. I think I'm when gonna, it does I'm work. I'm going to have to disagree, boys. Because I know you have to disagree. <laughs> I know you will. <laughs> that, that really worked for me because I was like, well, didn't work. Why, why? Why is he being so spiky? You know, we've just seen him you know laughing and joking about and now it is like on the super defensive you know what's going off what is his background i don't know because if you yeah. compare him to someone like uh, peter davison when peter davison had to do scenes like that peter davison obviously is a very different person to chris mm -hmm. eccleston but peter davison he he wouldn't be so forceful about it you know but, uh, he wouldn't be like that he'd be like really calm and you can feel what he's feeling do you know what i mean and you can mm. feel that he's de depressed or upset or doesn't want to talk about it do you know what i mean he has that kind of and i thought that's the tiny kind of tone you needed for that scene but chris was so kind of i don't know he just for me he Spiky. didn't work in that scene i don't know why i agree it, it, it did seem to go from like one extreme to the other Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. We'd like to continue to feed your ears by inviting you to listen to these other great shows on the Fandom Podcast Network. It starts with our flagship show, Culture Clash, discussing the latest in entertainment pop culture. Blood of Kings, Immortals Take Notice, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theaters, where we celebrate our favorite movies. Time Warp, the Fandom Flashback podcast discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie, and TV pop culture topics. Good evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock. Union Federation, our Star Trek and Orville show. Hair Metal, the 80s and early 90s rock metal podcast. Type 40, our show covering the time-traveling Doctor Who universe with host Dan Hadley. Lethal Mullet, an 80s and 90s action film podcast with host Adam P. O'Brien. 
Also, check out the Lethal Mullet Network for more great podcasts. What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast with hosts Scott, Derek, and Nathan. Making Treks, a Star Trek podcast, a deep dive into the final frontier with hosts Mark Newbold and Adam P. O'Brien. And check out our newest shows, The Fandom Show, our monthly fandom podcast network live YouTube exclusive show about the month's hottest topics in fandom, and the FPN True Believers MCU podcast discussing the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the related Marvel television and streaming MCU universe, including the connections to the original Marvel comics. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on several platforms. Please subscribe to the Fandom Podcast Network YouTube channel to receive notifications of new podcast episodes and live events. You can enjoy all of the Fandom Podcast Network audio podcasts on our master feed at fpnet.podbean.com. The Fandom Podcast Network is on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and iTunes. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. You can also find the Fandom Podcast Network on Instagram at Fandom Podcast Network and on Twitter at FanPod Network. Thank you for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom. I wonder if any of you had noticed, because I noticed this at the time, and I think it stands out still now too, it's the use of the word hell in this twice. The Doctor says it once. He says, who the hell are are you? Mm. Something like something like that, and the steward also says it. Who who the mm. hell are you to to the Doctor mm. and Rose? And that's um, it's a very mild expletive. You know, the word hell mm. is not considered to be a swear word or a curse mm. word here in the UK. I, th- I think it may be sort of borderline elsewhere in the world, but it's still quite bit. harsh. Mm. It's quite a harsh way for the Doctor to speak, isn't it? Wendy? Yeah, I suppose it is because obviously we we didn't hear. I don't think we heard anything approaching anything like that you know back mm-hmm. in the day um so yeah so i think but that made it a little bit more edgy a little bit more modern mm-hmm. you know perhaps um for a modern audience as chris was finding the character do you, uh, do you think that russell was maybe seeing he was also finding where the where i the, think chris was, was i think russell was writing for chris mm-hmm. i think he's definitely yeah, well, writing for it, chris yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but in that yeah, case that why, in that case why did the steward say it too I don't I, look. Um, hell is not a, is not a bad word. I mean, no. the place is, but <laughs> you know, it's not really a bad word. Let's face yeah, it. It, de- you know. it depends what you're into, mate. It depends yeah, what you're into. Many, that's what many cultures have a of a kind of hell, a version exactly. of hell. So, yeah. Yeah. what did you uh, make to um, the TARDIS translating? No, I, I like that idea. I like that idea. I it, like the idea. It with the psychic paper. It kind of yes. just kind of saves a lot of time. And, and yes. I like the explanation of, because you do sit there, and when I have watched other sci-fi things, it, it, sometimes it does take you out. Like, well, mm. they're all speaking English, or they're all speaking American English. Mm. And I love how, like, Russell honed in on that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, right, I'm going to explain that away so it doesn't take you out of the story. But also, it comes back, doesn't it, in the Christmas mm-hmm. invasion, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So the, when all the aliens were talking, suddenly they started speaking English, and yeah. then yeah. you knew that the Doctor was up and running. So that was a quite um, a quite good bit. And I, and I do agree, that's a really good explanation for mm-hmm. everybody speaking English. I still don't like the psychic paper thing, though. I, I mean, yeah, why did it work for him there? And, and... I didn't well, mind the psychic the paper. Time. 
Obviously, this is the first mm. time we see the psychic power. Yes, it is, it yeah. It's introduced in this story, and not in a particularly grand way either. It's just a single line of dialogue. Mm. And to be honest, at the time, I think I... I think at the time I may have inwardly groaned a little bit, but mm. as time went on, and really quite quickly, because he uses it several times in, in series one, it does, I yeah. realised that this was a stroke of genius that saves so much time within a story from just bogging it down with mundane mm. things, with, with trappings that um, often sort of got in the way of the action rolling on mm -hmm. in Doctor Who. And now when I look back, I kind of miss the psychic paper. I think, yeah, but, Russell, but Dan, Russell, you're a genius. But then how does how comes it works like this? He goes, he says, right, it makes them see what I want them to see. And then in the other episodes where um, you know, Matt Smith has shown it and 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 the guy looks at it and he sees something completely different to what Matt Smith was trying to do. Well, that, what about I, Rose and Jack bit, well, as well? Yeah, yeah. It's, just, fair, it's a bit weird. To be fair, mm. Ian, not, I'm I'm talking about this episode. Ooh. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but, <laughs> context, it kind of took context, a life of its own with other directors, we'll say. Uh, yes, yes. And these I... 44 <laughs> minutes, that's all I'm judging it on. Whatever happens afterwards, I... Sorry, I, man. I'm uh, not there. I'm not saying that you can't... No, God, no. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> I I quite liked the the psychic the psychic paper in this episode, and I thought it was it was well handled because it wasn't overdone. It was just a quick additional little tool that the doctor had in his toolbox, and it was just made the doctor even cooler, you know. And and I thought, yeah, okay, you know, I I didn't I didn't sort of it didn't take me out of the story. I thought, oh, wow, what a cool idea. You know, um, and then I and then the scene just takes off from there, and I didn't find myself really thinking about it afterwards. I just sort of took it in my stride as as we went along with the story. I was really sad when um, the tree woman died, though. I was just getting to know her. That was really yeah. dark, yeah. really, when you think about it, yeah. um, really because dark. this has a real family vibe to it. This ep this episode, yeah, and yet that's a very dark theme, you know. And and she died, you know, in a very dreadful way you know I'd in agony help the doctor. Yeah, you know yeah, and she yeah. was helping the doctor but it showed how much respect she had for him already oh. and obviously for the time she, lords for the time exactly for the time lords because she was so amazed that there was still a living time lord mm -hmm. but but she it just went to show that chris had that ability chris's doctor made you feel like he really was in control of the situation and you trusted him and that's what her character does you know she trusts him and Literally. she feel you know and obviously she's the type of a character that that would give her life for others she was obviously mm -hmm. a, a you know a yeah, very I beautiful sorry, character well, I and i did i she, I, I was quite sad i think that she is a little bit in awe of being in the doctor's presence because of his mm. almost mythical status as being yeah. the last of his guy. It's a miracle that you even exist. You can see how yeah. how uh, doughy eyed she is just over mm. that. But I think yeah. later on, as the episode goes on and the two of them grow closer and the sense of jeopardy really cranks up in this episode. You no, know, it is palpable uh, and you are, I was on the edge of my seat watching it again and I know what happens. But yeah. when yeah. this is going on, the, the higher the stakes, the less <coughs> those, those two characters they have a connection, they have an understanding, and they look at things in a very similar way. And mm. as this is all going on, as the stakes are get, getting higher than ever, and there is only real, really one solution for this entire thing to be resolved, you see they exchange 
fewer and fewer words between one another because mm. they're both aware of the magnitude of the situation. And I think mm. here, what I was saying earlier on about the doctor, the doctor's attitude towards Rose being different to the, his attitude towards Jabe, as you said, I mean, Jabe dies uh, in a very, uh, for, for seven o'clock on a Saturday evening, in a very visceral way. You know, we see her burning. And the yeah. doctor cares. We know he cares. We know he feels it, but he carries on anyway. So why doesn't he save her? Why does she? Why why does she sacrifice herself? And why is that okay? And it's not okay. It, I think, it, but it does hammer. I think it hammers home to the people who have just met the doctor in this last few days at, at, when this was when this was uh, premiered. The fact that with with Jabe, this was. Jabe's fight anyway. This was always going to be Jabe's fight. She was always going to be there and this was always going to happen. She was always going to be in danger. Whereas with Rose, you know, the Doctor has taken her there and put her in jeopardy. She isn't, wasn't supposed to be I there. Don't know. Have been if, if the Doctor only, hadn't taken her there. Not only that, but I feel like the Doctor has made so many of these dreadful, horrible decisions that he's he's had to make no, I, I, in his lifetime. That he's, he is somewhat used to that choice of having to be made i think the reason why she did that is uh, the impression i got was that um russell t wanted to tell the new audience that the um the race that the doctor comes from the time lords was very respected in the universe mm. and so when mm. she gives her life for this person that she, uh, th this this race that she thought never existed anymore that disappeared or out, out of the universe it was an honor for her to serve yes. a time lord that's the that's the impression i think russell t wanted wanted to show you that she was willing to die for what he represented and if the doctor hadn't been there she'd have, well. she'd have, she'd have, she'd have, yeah. if the doctor hadn't been there in she'd have she'd have died anyway yeah sure mm. it's true and, uh, and the rest of her family mm. would yeah. have done as well yeah that's a tense moment with the with the rays coming and uh, rose almost getting you know, yeah. fried like a chip. I like, <laughs> I like the stakes because I remember, feel, you know, there wasn't. Sometimes you take it for granted that mm. the doctor's going to be able to save everybody. Yeah. And this made it clear out right from the start. You know, there's going to be casualties. People are going to die. Also, I had, a, I had a friend that said the same thing. What Dan was mentioning about the Britney Spears thing. He yeah. also, he also went. He first of all, he said to me. Oh, it should be 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, shut up. And then the second thing he said to me, oh, they play Britney Spears. And I was like, shut up. And then the third <laughs> thing he said to me, it's so American. They've got, have a nice day when they were parking the, parking the uh, what is it, oh, the TARDIS. Okay. I was like, yeah. oh, get lost, you idiot. Do you know what I mean? Things have to progress. You yeah. can't stay in the 70s, mate. Yeah. You have yeah. to move forward. Completely agree. Anyway. You've got. It's the same principle as the as the. It's the same principle of, as those underground wires you don't like. It's the visual shorthand. <laughs> it's the visual shorthand because that because that phrase is recognisable. Yeah. We all know the phrase. I, I mean, I know in in America it's a thing, but we all know the phrase "Have a nice day." What it yeah. what it means. What it's shorthand yeah. for. You know, it's again. It's it's just. But I think nice. It's texture texture, Wendy. Yes, and I think because they were selling this series all over the world, yeah. and particularly in the United yeah. States, it, it became quite huge. Um, I think it was important perhaps to have a little, you know, maybe a little little nugget in there somewhere, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. that, that gives it a bit more of a universal feel maybe. Although yeah. I wasn't looking for that. I mean, I was still in America then when, when these were being shown over there. I wasn't looking for anything American in there. I wanted it to be 
the Doctor Who that I loved, which was this sure. this British institution, which mm. is one of the the many reasons that I fell in love with it. So I didn't feel I didn't even really clock that, but I guess because I was so used to it, that didn't even register to me at the time as yeah. a sort of a, anything deliberate. Thinking back on it now, maybe I I can only guess maybe that that's why they did it, but I don't know. Wendy, when you were watching it in America, did you was it still on PBS or something like the the, the ones with Chris Eccleston, or was it on a proper I'm channel? Trying, it was on a proper channel, I think. Um, oh, wow. And forgive me because I'm I am the older I get, the the more my memory starts to feel like uh, I'm here. But yeah, I can remember watching it. I'm pretty sure it was on on a, a major channel it wasn't a thing then was it no it wasn't no, i don't no. think it was no no but i i can remember watching it on something and i and i honestly cannot remember now what it was it was um, originally it was obviously on available yeah it was but we had it a on, year later it was originally on a channel called uh, space the imagination station i know that that was one of the places that oh, shot oh really well interestingly oh. we we that that was the time when doctor who in the states was a year behind Doctor Who in the UK. So uh, we were still in that very sort of early, early stage of the internet then, where mm -hmm. I had to be very careful back in the old MySpace days, because I was friends with all these different people that loved Doctor Who and some on the UK side and some on the US side. And Darren, I can still remember Darren saying to me, don't look at so-and-so's page because <laughs> you, you'll be spoiled for the next series, yeah, you know, yeah. so I would I would very diligently avoid somebody's page, you know, because I didn't want to be spoiled. But then eventually things caught up with each other. And I can't quite remember when that happened. It was during Tenant's run, I think. It was more so with the co-productions deal. And yeah, when, when the show started to become a real a real thing when there was proper momentum that that window gradually shortened it went from being a week down to like four or five days and eventually the, it was like the day after something like that and then gradually i think it was for the start of the matt smith era where it went same same day mm. and date it was, it, was yeah. a, it was a slow okay. alignment it was as, yeah. as the tv landscape sort of changed i think doctor who got i think i think doctor who benefited from that rather than drove anything of that but but mm. back back here i mean back then when this was first going out i mean the first episode of doctor who at the rose episode that leaked onto the internet in some sort of proto form a work print or something i never saw it i never tried to track it down but mm. by this point i was a, a member of outpost gallifrey which is now gallifrey base and following there <coughs> regularly week by week by week and you you came across people who knew things who had been involved one step well one you guys were up with the internet i was just go to the pub and talk to my <laughs> friends in the <laughs> pub <laughs> I, I had myspace i had a myspace page but i hardly used it because it was just too confusing for me but you know having a beer and talking about doctor who was always my thing so i was yeah. i just started uni i was in my first year at uni so yeah I was. Uh, look at you uni i want to talk a little about the conclusion to this episode because you know, the doctrine the doctrine rose they don't save the earth but they do save the day and uh, it's it's very powerful imagery i mean the, the special effects are still outstanding 
and mm. the location it, it's all it all just works so so beautifully and it, i think it still stands up too despite the fact does, that what yeah. you, you were saying last week ian about about mm. it not being in hd and the fact mm. that it wasn't shot on film yeah i think that's a, bit, a big shame particularly now 15 16 years was, later yeah yeah but but mm. this the way this moment at the end, those final scenes where chunks of the earth are floating and we've got the lava sky behind them. Yeah. And Rose is physically and emotionally wrecked by this. And, yeah. and the, the doctor's tired and he knows he's put it through a lot. Mm. And then to sort of take her by the hand against, okay, you, you've just, you know, he, he accepts the fact that she is in trauma. And mm. so he yeah. takes, her, takes her back home, back to the earth. And the, when they do stand in the middle of in the middle of London, Cardiff really, in the middle of London, and the crowds are all around, milling all around her, and the music swells up, and the two of them are stood still. That is still one of my favourite scenes in the entirety of Doctor Who. I yes, think it says yes. so, so, so much. The expressions on their faces, the the dialogue from from Russell, those first hints of law when he talks <coughs> about my my planet, my planet's gone. He says it. He says it so offhand. It, and my, my planet's gone. And she just looks at him. It burnt like the earth before its time. And, where, and he he drops out. There's been a war. Won't tell her who with. And, it, and it, it, the, the longer the scene and goes on, the longer the scene goes on, the more grounded yeah. it get it gets in. Till we get to the point where, you know, it's okay. We need we need to sort of recharge our batteries. We will reconnect. And we're gonna grab grab a bag of chips. Um, sorry. Dan, you kind of missed a, another a, an important bit in this episode, which is when uh, Rose says to the Doctor, save her. And he says, everything has a time. And then she blows up. I'm talking about Cassandra, yeah. obviously. Mm. That yeah. scene, that scene. when I saw that scene, I thought, jeez, this Doctor is really mean. Well, um, but re then when I look... It restates yeah. what he, how he feels about yeah. the planet Earth, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. And, but when I looked back at it... Um, this episode again i realized why he did it is because his friend died trying to save everyone yes, the, yeah. the tree girl and he 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 was he had enough it's like he yeah. could have saved her but you know what she deserves to die because of she tried to murder everyone and i think that was a very powerful statement from russell t about the doctor because i don't believe he's been that far Maybe no, I've missed a couple in, no, in classic. No, he hadn't really. So, and I think that what I was mm. saying earlier on about the fact that he acknowledges that Jade was always going to be there, her life was always yep. going to be in danger, whereas mm. Rose, he took Rose there, and so it isn't Rose's place. He, uh, She's a, yes. uh, an, an intergalactic, intergalactic, interdimensional tourist almost, mm. who's there because he took her there. I think he yep. used his own position as something different. And even though he could have been somewhere else, the fact that he is there and it is his decision, he is empowered enough to make a change yeah. and to right a wrong. It's ultimately his choice. Yeah. And I think, Wendy, that this isn't something that's untrue to the character, as we saw in no. the classic era. Mm -hmm. It's just an evolution of it because there is only him left to make these changes. Yes. yes. I think, yes. And it, it gives him a great depth and it gives a lot of dimension to his, to his character and it it goes a long way to explaining why he's he's so traumatized and mm. he can fly off the handle at times and he can have you know very sharp reactions at times and and the cassandra scene was one of them and and then at the end you know when he's he's in this scene when he's telling rose what he a little snippet of what he's been through he doesn't have to answer her question her, her her additional question which is 
who with, she knows instinctively just to let it drop because it was enough to to sort of get a flavor of what he'd been through. And, and now he feels, and now he felt that he could tell her because she's now had a little taste of watching her own planet burn, mm. you know? Yeah. So in a way he, you know, she, she's now on a level that she had a much better ability to be able to understand what he'd been through. I think if the... we'd not had this scene, mm. I think if you'd have had him just stand by and let Cassandra burn, and then not mm. have this scene at the end to explain, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of had this war. I don't think, I think it would have played out very differently, and I don't think it would have sit as well. But you got you got to wonder though about the Doctor's history. You know, obviously, Moffat is the one that completed the the, the arc, the circle of, of of what happened to the Doctor, and um, he became the War Doctor, and he was young, and he many, for many many years he's fighting this war. Yeah. You know, when one soldier goes out and something happens out there, and they become traumatized about that one thing or two things. Mm-hmm. Imagine having a whole life full of it, mm-hmm. yeah. and then suddenly changing into Chris Eccleston. He must have. He must have been really screwed up. <laughs> must have been. You know what I mean? Really, more mm-hmm. so than any soldier in this entire world, because yeah. he's lived. He's he's lived a lifetime of war. You know. Mm-hmm. So, but it, if only they knew that. <laughs> before they did this episode then yeah, I, then, and explained it to Chris, it probably would have been a different performance. This Sorry. makes it more, I don't know, watching it back yeah. now, knowing what we know, I don't I yeah. think it makes it more profound. It does, it does. That's what yeah, I was trying I to agree. say. Yeah, you said it in one sentence and oh, I said it in one. Like... <laughs> it's another reason why I consider this at the end of the world to be very much the balance to what we've got with Rose mm, and why yeah. I view this as a uh, uh, not just a conceptually and emotionally but in, in narrative terms too I think I think where it starts from the first scene where we we fall to earth and we see Rose wake up right mm. to the moment in in the in the square where they they go off to get chips I think that's a story in itself and this is in my eyes has always been a, a two-part story the fact that we get the the recap at the start of the end of the world Mm-hmm. That hammers it home too. Uh, last time on Doctor Who, okay, mm-hmm. the, the cliffhanger between Rose and this Rose isn't in jeopardy. But you know, yeah. if maybe if you're a kid who's never seen Doctor Who before, maybe she was. She didn't know what she was getting into, and and boy, when she gets into it, it's more than it's more than she could have ever have imagined than any of us could have imagined yeah. if that, that had been us in her place. So I view this as a two-part story, which is the way that I I thought it was impossible. To talk about Rose, particularly the depth that we did last time that we got together, yeah. and and not to pick it up with this one, but mm-hmm. I did uh, one of the things, one of the interesting factoids that I've grabbed is that Russell T Davies, as this was gearing up to to being broadcast, he appealed to the BBC, said, "Look, I, I'd like this to go out as a two part story and on the same." across the same weekend so that Rose would have aired on the Saturday and the end of the world would have aired on the on the Sunday mm-hmm. and they they turned him down for that they they said that it was oh. too late in the day that he requested it too late uh, for the yeah. for the schedule that had already been put together and mm. but it, I believe that it did air consecutively on on the sci-fi channel in America I think it was the sci-fi channel spaced wherever it went so they the American audience did get to see this kind of as a two-part thing but Russell did intend it to air back to back maybe with the national lottery numbers in the middle or across the two days I can't quite remember the intricacies so if anybody out there can anybody out there in uh, has got Wikipedia to hand or whatever else let us know but I know I'm not falsely remembering that 
and it's yeah so i do consider this to be a, a two-part doctor who story the overall viewing figures for the end of the world it's still fantastic there was a drop-off from the premiere uh, by a couple of million but uh, still 7.3 million people in the uk wow, watched the amazing. end of the world and the consolidated <laughs> figure was pretty much touching 8 million so although we didn't have iplayer back then and, and all the various other catch-up means but people can watch it online afterwards they did used to count people recording it on vhs because vhs recorders back in 2005 mm. Were still, recording it. <laughs> were still a thing, weren't they, Sarah? So, yeah, the, yeah. the final consolidated figure was, yeah, nine point, uh, no, 7.97 million. The AAI figure, the Audience Appreciation Index figure, was 76. These are all, these are all good, strong numbers. So Doctor Who was, then, despite all that, what you could call bad press star you know chris quits as doctor who yeah. wasn't affecting the audience at all they oh. were there they were showing up and i believe well it doesn't matter what i believe it bloody happened didn't it yeah, from, from yeah. This episode, just as i was grabbed and i was absolutely convinced yeah. from this moment on that doctor who was back and it was back for it was back to stay basically for as, as long as yes. one could conceivably imagine at this point mm. The audience yeah. was gripped, and this was going to be a fantastic summer of, of great adventures. And and the the Doctor, the TARDIS, and all the yeah. other trappings were going to well become part of popular parlance again, and, and fuel popular culture, uh, and uh, yeah, become commonplace. So uh, yeah, the fact that you would people would know what you were talking about when you said the word TARDIS again, I'd yeah. probably say after this episode, <laughs> it was like, wow, we're there. We made it, and it was all down to Russell T. Davis, Chris Eccleston, and Billy Piper. I'm going to have to ask, yes, it's the obligatory scoring round. Sarah, how many of Cassandra's ex-husbands out of five would you give the end of the world? You thought oh, about this, didn't you, Dan? It's going to have to be a ten. I just think, I just think there's some... Ten? Wait a minute, was that five, wasn't it? Ten out of five. Well, that's... Oh, sorry. Well, five. Okay. <laughs> five out of five? Okay. So, on what grounds? Just the fact that... Yeah, well, because grounds. it just works on so many levels. It's, you know, on the surface, it's a very camp, you know, entertaining romp. But, you know, there's so much character development in there. There's so many key plot, you know, things... You know, them little seeds. It th there's a lot in this 45 minutes, and yeah, again, and I get what you mean about it. Rose kind of feels like a prequel in a way, and this kind of feels like the first, like the first proper adventure. Um, yeah, I just think it works on all levels. The effects still look good, and yeah, I just remember being blown away by it, and yeah, I've absolutely enjoyed rewatching it today. Ian, how many of Cassandra's ex-husbands out of five do you give at the end of the world there? Uh, <laughs> uh, three and a half. Uh, it's more so than last, last, the last that's, episode. That's well, impressive. The, the only, the only reason why... Well, I like the story. I thought the story was really good. Yeah. And it was well written. And uh, But the only reason I'll give it three and a half is because of those things that let it down. Obviously, the TARDIS console is a real big big no-no for me um you know and there's a couple of <laughs> there's a couple of things in the episode that didn't make any sense again <laughs> you know that's why i give it three and a half but um you know where it goes i guess 
Yeah. Wendy, how many of Cassandra's ex-husbands out of five do you give the end of the world? Oh, that's an easy one. Five. Five. Oh, I'm totally five. with Starry on this one. I oh, absolutely yeah. loved this episode. Um, it does have a lot of personal meaning um, to us as well. <laughs> but even without that, it's it's a wonderful... <laughs> It's just it's just a fun romp, as as Starry very aptly put. I think that was really well said. It's um, it it still felt like Doctor Who, but it also just it, it was just opening new doors to so many new fans as well. And and I'm I'm always going to be thankful to it for that. <laughs> well, just in case any of you w- were wondering, uh, I gave Rose four out of five. I give this I give this a five out of five too, and I know that I know that Doctor Who <laughs> would <laughs> I know that Sorry. Doctor Who would get better than this, but I do it did. feel <laughs> but I do feel that at this point in proceedings, and this is how I always decide whether I'm going to give something maximum marks or not. Can mm. I think of any way in which, in context, this episode could have conceivably been better? And this is, you know, and I know how you feel about that. You know, things like <laughs> rooms or whatever else. And honestly, honestly, I can't. I don't think this episode really put a, put a foot wrong. I think it's all there. It's all working. And it, uh, I mean, these seasons of Doctor Who that we're talking about, when it initially comes back, especially, they were more than the sum of their parts. Each Absolutely. one had its own job to do. Yeah. And, and I don't think any highlights that more than the end of the world. I absolutely love it. I think it stands up so, so well. And, and even now when I, when I watch it, when I think about certain moments, I mean, particularly the moment where Jabe turns to the Doctor. Jabe, I love that character. I sincerely do. Yeah. When she says to him, stop wasting time, Time Lord. I only have to say that. I've got a shiver just saying it. And that's yes, just me. Yeah. Yasmin, yeah. if you're out there, phone me up and just say that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a mess. But it's just it's yeah. so potent. It is, it's just so right. The story's and, deeper than yeah. you think, though, when you look carefully. It, really it yeah. really is. It's just wonderful stuff. I adore it. Well written. And I've mm. loved talking about it with you guys. Lots of creative thinking, lots of challenging comments, yeah. and people, most of us, being taken to task for our terrible opinions or told I, that I we've really got like it wrong. I really like that. It's just, yeah, yeah, we are not an echo chamber, as I Absolutely think we've not. proven exactly. today. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Type 40 has never been an echo chamber in the entire three and a half years we've existed, and mm-hmm. we're not going not to start anytime soon. This is, this is how real Doctor Who fans and real sci-fi Thank fans you, discuss yes. and talk Absolutely. and explore, isn't it, Wendy? It, thank you, Dan. Yes, that was perfectly said. And I was thinking the same thing. It's a real discussion. And we don't have to agree. We can have a laugh about it. And, mm. it, you know, and, and that's what it should be. And then you should be able to just go and have a pint together. And, and you know, yeah. it, it's what it it's, it's what things always used to be. And I think it's just lovely, you know, that you have this podcast in this channel down and it, it's given us all a place to be able to come to experience that so thank you very much for that to share the good things to share the wonderful things, to share the <laughs> things that unite us all. <laughs> speaking of which yes type 40 doctor who podcast you can stream or download us on our dedicated feed type40.podpeen.com you can find all the podcasts there for season three you can find us on spotify tune in google play apple podcasts iheart radio stitcher pretty much any podcatcher that you can name or here on YouTube with our live streams and podcasts and whatever else, all these conversations, get in touch. Let us know, have we got it all right? Have we got it all wrong? That which you'd like to hear or see more of 
or not. We're all ears to all of it. What are we going to talk about next? We'll have to wait and see. If you've enjoyed these shows, get in touch and leave us a comment. So we're yeah. going to go away and think about it, see what we can do, what we can talk about next. Thanks thanks for being here. Wendy, where are you going to be talking next? Where can people get in touch with you on social media as well? The easiest place to find me on social media is is uh, Twitter, uh, and that's at Wendology1. Where can people find you on social media, Ian? They can find me on yeah. Facebook Thursday, and they can... Well, I, I created a web series called Rebecca Gold. That's, uh, that's on YouTube. Just type in Rebecca Gold. You'll find it. Um, there are a couple of films on there as well. Yeah, I am, I'm definitely on Twitter. I'm, I'm on Twitter. I think it's Ian, at Ian <laughs> yes, David I Diaz. Can, I can confirm this, my friend. You are on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, so I'm on Twitter. the link for this show, yeah. Amy, you can talk to me there if you want. I'm around. I'm the awkward one, aren't I? Because I don't do social media. If you do want to get in touch... I don't blame you. Please contact Dan. Yeah, just field everything to Dan and he passes it through. Ah, okay. There you go. Oh dear, oh and dear. And if you do want to reach Sarah's starry-eyed girl, Graham, you can get in touch with her care of the Spacebook at, uh, at Outlook.com or Instagram and Twitter at the Spacebook or at Type40. And that's where you can also find me. I'm I'm uh, wheezing, groaning and posting about everything inside and outside of the TARDIS over on Twitter and Instagram as the Spacebook. We, uh, we always have the time. You have the space here at Type 40, but that does wrap it up. That does wrap it up for now. Thank you very much for your time, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.